now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Good morning, Black Firehouse Podcast listeners. This is your host, Dan Harshman, with his co-host... Austin Young. Wow. You, you know, you're never really right on cue. You hear me, but you're never quite on cue. And I've never edited it. That's so fine. That... It, I'm about the comedic timing. I like the dramatic pause. That's my thing. But when are you going to get that comedic timing down? Never. That's That's oh. the joke. Ah, uh, I did have to edit one of the ends of the episode because you must have been distracted by something because it, it took you like 15 seconds to actually respond. And I was just like, this cannot, this cannot stand. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you don't like um, dead air? No, it's obnoxious. Okay. Sorry. Uh, like, at least we try to narrate our dead air like, ooh, I'm going through my phone. Well, anyhow... Good morning, listeners. Uh, again, Dan Harshman with Austin Young, as always, uh, for this episode. Uh, Austin, what episode number are we on? Mm, Is it 17? I think so. I think so, too. Hold on. We're on 17. Nair. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We did six, episode 16 was Wands. Today, we're talking about finishing up the pack but more exciting than that is peer pressure works <laughs> it does and we got a guest in with us today which i'm really really excited about austin introduce our guest stuart thompson who you may know of... from the ghostbusters reference library stuart welcome to the show thanks for having me <laughs> how you doing tonight stuart <laughs> not too bad at all how are you I am doing absolutely exhausted, but I'm really stoked to have you here. I was actually uh, bragging to my daughter. Uh, we, we spent some time on the road um, over the past few days doing some some events for, for my Ghostbusters franchise. Woo! Uh, but I made her listen to the podcast. Um, not because I like listening to myself talk. I mean, I do like listening to myself talk. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but I I I like to go back and listen to make sure the, like the the editing is decent, the sound is decent, blah blah blah. Uh, but I, I told her about how I peer pressured you into coming on, <laughs> and then I told her don't give into peer pressure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let me be only only <laughs> if it's being peer pressured into coming on to a Ghostbusters podcast. Exactly. And, and, but we tried that before we tried that with, uh, with, uh, Ben, I think Ben Edie, we've reached out to before with no response. What was it? Who is the, it was the costume director that you reached out to way at the beginning yeah. of this experiment. When we had like two episodes, I was like, I'm going to talk to Danny Glicker. I bet he'll come on the show. <laughs> and and he <laughs> left me on red. He left me on red. And I was like, that's fine. That's fair. <laughs> Doesn't know who and, you are. Uh, Nobody no, knows who no, we nobody are. knows who. 
and uh and then oh yeah trying to get john anderson on here to to talk about uh ghost traps i think we're still gonna get him on monday the, now stewart can peer pressure him <laughs> yeah exactly. probably stewart. oh no john is a sweetie he would never do that but if he did it would be hysterical because he is so sweet <laughs> Um, so Ghostbusters prop news, this is, this is actually great timing, Stuart, because, uh, the reference library is kind of the big news. You've made a jump from, from Facebook to an actual website. I have, and it's, uh, it's all your fault. I'm sorry. I'm not, <laughs> but. Peer pressure works. Yeah. It does. So, what what was that jump? I mean, what was that thought process on on the the jumping from just being because you're the Facebook page, and I'm also really really pleased to hear that you're going to maintain that as well. Yeah. Because uh, there's there's already a good bedrock there for people, especially to submit photos. If you know, maybe necessarily they're mm-hmm. shy, or you know, just don't want to reach out to the website itself they can still submit photos to the ghostbusters reference library as as a facebook page um and obviously i like that it's still there because facebook just happens to be so fucking accessible for everybody and unfortunately that's just not something that's going to be going away um but yeah walk walk us through like you realizing hey this is this is a great way to kind of expand on this wonderful idea well, a few people had uh, made mention of a website, including yourself, so on the podcast. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, we started having some major errors uh, with the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Where, especially on mobile, people just weren't able to access the albums. Um, oh, yeah. That yeah. did seem to clear up a, a little bit, but I was actually speaking to Austin a few nights ago, and he mentioned the website again, so I thought I might as well just... Um, put the effort in and see if I can do it and it, it turned out there was a platform available to do it quite easily so I took a, a couple of days and started uploading everything and that was it really um, I launched the other night and seems to be going well so far um, it's yeah, going it's wonderfully pretty, it's so simple and like I actually I really really enjoy that you know um of course, we as a prop community owe so much to uh, the juggernauts like um, AJ Quick. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. and I know AJ. I think one of the concepts was kind of a, a one stop shop for everything. Um, and I still have an enormous amount of respect for that. And I still like cruising the forums. Obviously, I spend way too much money at his shop, um, <laughs> things like that. But I feel like. Facebook almost put GB fans out of a job just because people were more attracted to the the almost simpler message board style mm-hmm. rather than your your one stop hey use the search feature blah 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 kind of thing. Now I I still use it for certain things, but now we have uh, another resource, and I love having multiple resources when when I first came into the community, we used to have this whole contraption called the occult reference net, which was essentially just the, the web of ghostbuster fan sites. Um, and now that we have something not too dissimilar again, I'm really digging it. I mean, like, Hey, you know, you, you can go to ghostbuster fans, you can, you know, still hit up RPF. You can, 
also go to the workbench and or one of the other great forums on Facebook, but also the Ghostbusters reference library being its own independent thing. So like there are issues with, with Facebook, you know, if they're having coding issues or Mm -hmm. if I am being lazy and not just accessing my own reference on my (laughs) laptop, um, (laughs) which for me uh, happens often. Uh, We touched on that uh, an episode or two ago in which how much time we actually spend on the reference library because it's cumbersome to drag your laptop around. Yeah. And uh, it's so easy to just open up the reference library and pop to a certain prop. And now you have it, you know, all nicely categorized. um, I mean, there's so many times, so many times that I'm working in the shop and I don't bring a laptop up there. I just have my phone and I carry that thing around from little Mm -hmm. workstation to workstation, you know, it's incredibly convenient, which means the next logical step after the website is we're going to have to get an app going. Oh, don't give me ideas now. <laughs> Peer pressure. Oh. It works. It does. Yeah. It does work. Yeah, but that that um, was I'm the still... whole idea behind it, though. It was just the convenience, uh, mostly for posting on uh, the, the uh, workbench. Uh, I wanted people mm-hmm. to have an easily accessible way to support the discussion quickly rather than having to search through multiple websites and find the one picture that we're looking for. You've been like our biggest supporter. You almost do more work for the <laughs> podcast than we do. Like uh, every time an episode comes out, I, I always look forward to your breakdown and your breakdown has links to all the particular albums. And I'm just like, should we be paying this guy? I mean, it's, we don't even it, pay us. It's stuff that's technically my job to do for our page. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just yeah, a but, huge fan, honestly. Um, I, I, well, I'm a huge fan of you. I, I wanted to oh. do a, a, a podcast ages ago, and I thought, well, I don't know who I'm going to do a podcast with, so, and I don't have the equipment available. So when you announced that the Blackfire Host podcast was going to be a thing, I was over the moon, and I listened religiously every week, so it's, it's fantastic. Oh, we oh you're you. warming my heart cockles. <laughs> yes. I've, I've, I'm really proud of what we've done, especially me and Austin. Me and Austin are such notorious procrastinators. Um, I really felt the so far this podcast is, has kind of renewed a, a, a passion for building for me. Um, yeah, it has, actually. I mean, I feel the same way. Like, there were times when I'd start on a project and I'd get really into it for a few days and then I'd be like, okay, whatever. But doing this is like, I finished two whole projects about to finish a third one today. That's unheard Uh, of for me. I can't say I've finished any projects, but I've come really fucking far. But you're, (laughs) you're consistently working on them or tinkering with them or, you know, trying to get to that point. I'm consistently mismeasuring everything that I order from Send Cut Send. That's okay. At least you're doing the doing the work. That's all part of the fun. Exactly. You have to have some way to hate your crimes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then I end up with all these like spare bits and pieces and parts and whatever. <laughs> but um, let's see. Any other big prop news? I mean, it's it's been quiet. There were some rumblings from. A Sony exec that there's there's more than just a fifth Ghostbusters film in development that there is a continuous franchise 
in development now, um, which I found fascinating, mostly because that means more new Ghostbusters props to come down the pipeline, the prop yeah. line, the prop hole, the pipe prop. hole. Mm, I like prop I hole. I don't know about prop, prop hole. hole. <laughs> I know about prop hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another time, I think. It's for a completely different podcast. <laughs> Yes, it's the the Black Firehouse prop hole, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I mean, congratulations on the new website. Okay. Yes. Um, now, how are you handling images that maybe aren't necessarily supposed to be out there? Have you had any pushback or people coming to you and be like, "Yo, no. NDA, can you take this down?" Uh, not so far since the website went up. There were some pictures last week or the week before um, of uh, Slime Blower in the Sony archives which we ah. had to take down within about an hour but uh, so far it's been okay on the website um, if anyone does want anything taken down I'm, I'm happy to do so if someone owns something they don't want on there but um, so far so good I think well, for the good. most part everything that's out there is out there like yeah. it, you know everybody's okay with it being out there there are the rare occasions when there are some you know like we talked in a previous episode, there are some photos that just due to NDAs or whatever can't be released, mm -hmm. but right. almost everything I think at this point has been uh, freely available for years now. I, I think one of the things that maybe might be missing um, is, you know, you have the, the watermarks on there and I think it's good to leave the watermarks so we know where the image, yep. you know, maybe originally came from and uh, you know, just a, a top of my head suggestion is maybe a credit on those particular uh, pages saying, hey, original images from GB fans can be found here. Absolutely. Link. That is something I fully intend to do. Um, I, I put the website together so quickly that I just want to get everything uploaded. But I, I'm going to go into every page and add um, a caption to the page. And on individual oh, awesome. images when it's needed, I can also add captions to those and hyperlinks and all sorts of things so that will happen it's just going to take a little time sure i, I mean well you uploaded so much all at once yeah but i'm i'm like stoked to hear that because i just you know it's it's really a big project to have everything in one place and it's so easy to rub egos wrong yeah exactly no in this yeah. community um uh, i'm a so big believer in having a you know credit where credit's due so i will absolutely make sure yeah, See, I, I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's awesome, man. So congratulations again. We're going to push on. I'm excited about this episode. This is kind of the final part of our uh, Proton Pack mini-series, or at least building a Proton Pack mini-series for our listeners. Um, you know, last episode was about wands, which disappointingly did not go into the two-hour mark like I thought it would. We could have. Um, I don't know. I feel like we could have. There, Maybe. And I always think of stuff after we record, like, oh, we didn't talk about that. Like, we could have talked about just the complexity of running the electronics through the banjos and into the, oh, the ears oh, and all that can, kind of stuff. We can do that this episode, because there's a number of things that our listeners have actually thrown at us that we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about uh, ribbon cables, P-clamps, Alice frames, um you know yeah. uh, some things like that so we're gonna we're gonna try and uh um make sure we get all the crusty bits out of the corners 
for this episode and talk about just kind of putting everything together and uh, final aesthetics. But of course, uh, before then, we are going to go ahead and go to You've Earned It. This reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. Remember that? That would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. Egan, I'm going to take back some of the things I said about you. You've, you've earned it. So, um, this week's You've Earned It was was definitely fly by the seat in that we <laughs> we collectively kind of looked at stuff right before the show. We are all always, of course, trying, you know, uh, me, Austin, I'm sure, Stuart, you love seeing builds too. I think oh, yeah. that's just a, a common denominator amongst any hobbyist is that you love seeing a build that just really attracts you. And, uh, you know, we... We try to keep our eyes open, but sometimes you just have a week where you're not paying attention to social media. Um, but I did have one that I thought was cool. It's not one build. It's a collective build. And it's uh, what marks it as so impressive is seeing all the projects together. Um, and that uh, this, this was found on Ghostbusters How to Build a Proton Pack. And of course... I already lost <laughs> the page <laughs> i've already lost i was looking at it and i was so stoked about it um let me see austin why don't you talk about yours or the one that Stuart actually pointed out as being a lot more impressive than we initially thought i mean if Stuart wants to to talk about it that's fine too he it's technically his pick oh no you go ahead yeah Okay. Oh my God! You guys are being too polite. <laughs> um, well, Stuart had mentioned a uh, an all aluminum real Ghostbusters thrower earlier, and I was like, "Wait a minute! What? How did I miss that?" It turns out I didn't miss it. Um, I saw it posted on I don't remember what group it was on Facebook, um, but I stopped for a moment and kind of admired it because they had used a real wood front grip, which I've never seen anybody do. Everybody uses foam or whatever. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's really neat. And I just assumed it was 3D printed and I kind of just kept scrolling and it didn't even click for me to like, oh, I should point that out, you know, in the episode. Um, and then Stuart pointed out that it's it's all aluminum. The entire build is aluminum. No, he didn't. He pointed out that it was all aluminum. Aluminum. <laughs> that's okay. Excuse me. You're entitled to the, uh, say it the wrong way. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. We're filthy Americans. <laughs> But yeah, he pointed it out, and it blew my mind. And it turns out it's it's built by a well-known community member, uh, CPU64. Oh, wow. And it's uh, gorgeous. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Beautiful. I'm actually really glad, Stuart, that you brought that back up, because I also am guilty and that I skipped over it. I got to be honest, I thought it was one of Martin Bryce's ShapeForge prop kits. Mm-hmm. Um, which which I own one of them. He does beautiful work. I thought somebody had put together a ShapeForge props um, RGB thrower and just did wooden grips on it instead. But yeah, no, you're right. It's all metal and it's fucking gorgeous. Um, looking at it again on uh, specifically the GB fans forums, but he didn't give us a lot of photos. No, just that's the one okay. Thing. Yeah. It's okay to tease sometimes. It is a good tease. <laughs> and it looks like he's got a, a wooden rear grip on there, too. I think I would love to see how he did 
just the whole rear instrument bar trigger box yeah. how he interpreted the the actual fire mechanism mm-hmm. it seems like his proportions on it are a little more reeled in too um mm-hmm. you know so many of those real ghostbusters pack interpretations they can be really big yeah they look very bulky when they're actually being held yeah they they look a little a little ridiculous sometimes um but i mean faithful to the proportions you know in the cartoon and stuff so it's nice to see somebody kind of try and reinterpret them into something that's a little more realistic scale wise this yeah, and and that's one of the reasons why I loved uh, Martin's 3D kit so much is he he scaled everything down so that it was more in line with a movie proton pack um, rather than scaling it to what what the actual sketch sheets call for it to be. Um, it, it's scaled to a real human being and not a cartoon, right? Um, but then at the same time, like, I can't discount, I can hear Matt Burkett going, well, it's accurate this way, it's more accurate this way. I'm like, yes. uh, he's, n- he's not wrong. Yeah, to, no, to he's what not wrong. Which and... episode is that accurate? No, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, and Matt's, their, their packs, their RGB packs are gorgeous. Oh, yeah, I, just, I like the scale down just a little bit more. Just makes it a little bit more reasonable. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter Venkman in the cartoon never struck me as being a six foot tall human being <laughs> yeah um and then i found mine i found mine this is great photos just this one photo is from mr alan ball over on ghostbusters how to build your proton pack and it has a hysterical um caption that i 100 percent relate to which is wife how come you never have any money me question marks and it is this photo of i'm counting two hasbro children's packs modified uh looks like three spirit halloween proton packs modified um a a rainbow 3d printed proton pack an open phoebe proton pack that i i think is full scale and then two full scale proton packs and from this photo i can't tell you know if they're 3d printed or not i'm assuming he probably 3d printed them trying to make the photo look a little bit bigger I believe um, the Phoebe pack, and he just did a video game pack too that was really, really beautiful. And I believe it's 3D printed as well. Nice. But it's it's like his entire Proton Pack family all together. And uh, it's just so cool. And I love his rainbow pack. I, re- I, I remember him talking about that uh, a couple weeks ago where he was just like, I love the look of um, prototyped action figures. Mm-hmm. You know, when you end yeah. up with all the different colors and stuff together, and that was the inspiration behind him printing a 3D pack in different colors and putting it all together. And it's spot on as as far as that concept. Um, but he's got clipper on there. He's, you know, got the ribbon cables and hoses and stuff on it. So it's just cool. It's It's fun. I like seeing how much work he's put into the different modifications while compared to traditional full-scale proton packs. Yeah. Um it it's one of those things where like somebody could post <laughs> four or five spirit proton packs and if they've done nothing with them and they're like, look at this, I'm like, Yep, mm-hmm. bought a spirit proton pack four times. Uh but to show the different modifications he's done as well as full size three D prints and stuff like that, it's it's really quite the quite the collection. I like it. Good job, Alan. 
You've earned it. Yeah. Great job. Good job, CPU64. You've earned it for yeah. a number of years. Yes. <laughs> it's long overdue, to be honest. It is. We'll do a you've earned it next week. It's just We're just going to talk about Sean Bishop. Oh, you'll be you'll be there for the whole episode. That'll be a whole mini series in and of itself. <laughs> be a whole mini series just about his Ecto One Janine and uh, just his contributions. They'll, we'll just change the name of the whole podcast to Sean Bishop. You've earned it. <laughs> the Black Firehouse Proptopia podcast. <laughs> Gosh, I miss Proptopia. I do too. It was so great. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, kind of harken back to the opening of this episode i miss places like proptopia but i feel like a full message board ends up becoming redundant because i thought oh man should should the workbench have its own you know message board um but ghostbuster fans is right there it's still yeah. active. It's still operating. There's there's no reason to try and re- reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. It's just about you know accessibility and uh, and then I think about places like you know ASAP and and Proctopia oh. where it's just like yeah they were really great and and everybody was on board but it was so hard to just keep going back to remembering another login but with something mm-hmm. like the reference library it's just point click boom you're there which. I really like. I do miss the days though of uh, GB fans being the main hub and being constantly busy, and uh, especially mm. the days where it was difficult to keep up with all the topics. There was just so much going on. It's so much quieter today, and I, I do really miss it. But um, there's not much we can do apparently. Um, I mean, it's kind of taken over. To it be really honest did. with you, I kind of feel that the workbench scratches that itch for me now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, there's some days, especially on weekends, it seems like it's pretty slow. But like throughout the week, there's consistently something great. Somebody's posting and somebody's progress or, uh, you know, some discovery somebody's made. And there's all the lively discussion in the comments. It's just I love it. I, it. It's really filled that void that seems to be have been missing for a long time for me. Yeah. Um, the great thing about the workbench is it's a very, very specific thing that's going on. And everyone over there is hyper-accuracy and detail-focused, so we're all you know, feeding off each other, and it's, it's, great. it's a great atmosphere. We're, we're all drowning in our own mental oh, yeah. illness. <laughs> <laughs> it's just full of enablers. It's fine. You, you think that. You don't see the admin actions. <laughs> oh, oh, really? <laughs> no, it's actually, um, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, you know, I've only had to have two moderators um so far for the workbench and it's just working out glorious you know we had that hiccup at the beginning of the year and uh so we did some experimenting with uh, post approvals and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i think ever since then it's actually raised the quality quite a bit um but yeah Stuart, like you i do miss the buzz of the gb fans um forums but i i think you guys are also right facebook kind of kind of killed that but at the same time I will admit that I feel closer to my fellow prop maker through Facebook. And I don't know if it's because we're not using screen names anymore. We all just stay in Harshman. Yeah, it's much more personal. Unless you're talking about me, right? I use an alias. (laughs) Well, you're hiding. You're hiding. You're like the worst Obi-Wan Kenobi ever. 
Well, but I'm not hiding from my friends. I'm hiding from family members who don't want to find me. <laughs> uh, that's that's relatable. You know, because like, no offense, I just don't care. I don't want to be your friend on Facebook. I well, I mean, see, in my defense, my family members, uh, they just unfriended me. I was like, all right, <laughs> I mean, whatever. Like, that's cool. See you at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's fine. Everybody knows. Like, it's the worst kept secret in the Ghostbusters yeah. community at this point. Um, yeah. Except for, I still laugh when Matt Burkett kind of first reached out to me after I'd been gone for a while uh, off of Facebook. And he and I were talking under my, my alias, Ray Cameron. And at some point, I just get this random message. He's like, holy shit, you're Austin? I had no idea. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah, dude, it's me. I thought you just knew. I like uh, I like that we just kind of picked up after not having really talked for like three years. Yeah, my ass but, goes to these phases, which I think is probably over with at this point. Where I'd I'd kind of like disappear from the community for a while, and and I've unfortunately, yeah I, I, yeah, I would I would kind of lose touch with certain people because like you know we our line of communication was GB fans or whatever. That's where mm-hmm. we, you know. Um, and it's been fun to to kind of reconnect with people and, and to connect with new people, make new friends. And, you know, I think, Dan, you and I have texted and talked more in the last however many months since we've been doing this than we ever have in our entire friendship. Yeah, but I like that there's nothing uh, different about our friendship. It doesn't no. feel to me any different, which is which is a, to me a sign of a good quality friendship. Absolutely. Um, oh, now, guys. speaking of... <laughs> Now, speaking of people that are on hiatuses that I wish would come back, Tim Hook. I love Tim, and I do talk to Tim. Uh, I don't know. I, I try and reach out to him every few weeks, yeah. once a month, something like that. Uh, just check in with him, see how he's doing. Um, and he lurks on the workbench, I know, from time to time. Yep. Um, oh, and but... I know he's got a lot going on. I talk to him like once or twice a year, but... Mm-hmm. Tim, if you're listening to this podcast, it's been a year without our Santa Claus and we miss you. Come back. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, uh hopefully he'll be able to to kind of get back into the into the the groove of things and and start posting some builds. You know, I w- I don't know if he wants anybody to know or not, but he was working on some scratch build projects that um yep. he shared a couple of photos with me. A while back while he had time to work on them and and they're i mean as always just absolutely gorgeous works of art before mm-hmm. he's even done anything to them you know he's um, always been a uh an incredible builder and i know uh i owe him some pieces parts um i need to get yeah. a shell that i promised to him off to him um it's just always a matter of trying to find a box big enough um because I don't want to send him pieces of a shell. Uh, yeah. Just... Not that he couldn't put them back together, but... No, but... He shouldn't I mean, have to. He'd be like, damn you, Harshman. <laughs> um, <laughs> second prop of his I've broken. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's get into our workbench and, and see what we're working on. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton peg is not a toy. I guess that's right. Austin. Dan. 
What's on your workbench? Um, what's not on my workbench at this point? I I'm getting ready after we are done recording this. I'm going down to the shop, and I believe I will be finishing my GB1 trap pedal today. Ooh! I finally got some, I guess, fairly accurate bellow material, at least according to the blurry photos we have of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally got some bullet latches for the base of the pedal in the back. And uh, what was the other thing I was missing? Hinges. Uh, trying to find some fairly decent hinges that were whatever the like the little four segments in the hinge along the along the backside. You know, everything you find in a hardware store is at least five or six. It's like it's right. not going to work. I need four, and I found some on my master car. I think they might be a little big, like a little bulky, mm-hmm. but you know, I'll make them work. And uh, yeah, I just got to put it all together, and she'll be done. Yay! I'm very excited. So am I. That's going to be great to see, especially judging by your your last pedal build. Ugh. And and uh, you experimented with that pedal though, latching onto the the yellow trap. How's the fit? So without the vector plate and the bellow on it, it fits really well. I mean, it fits. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it was designed to be there uh crazy right very crazy i i tried to kind of i i <laughs> i took the the bellow and the vector plate and i kind of just ran a bunch of masking tape around them to like hold them in place because mm-hmm. i didn't have screws to attach them to the hinge yet uh and tried to shove it down on the on the trap and it just wasn't working like they it all needs to be properly assembled but I can see already, though, where they were running into issues. Um, with that bellow on there, it's really difficult to get it compressed down enough and to stay in place. Oh. Um, but, man, like the placement of that bracket on the, the front corner, mm-hmm. I mean, I can see what they were. It, it's weird. Once you start to, put, you know, practically use it like it was intended to be used, that, that bracket. And you can see exactly what they're going for, but it's it's still a little awkwardly placed, and there's no way to get enough pressure onto the onto the bellow through that bracket to keep it down. Mm. Um, but I'm gonna try, David, and I'm gonna take some photos of it on there, one way or the other. Do you think it's uh, worthwhile to build another trap pedal that doesn't have the bellow in it, just to have a cool hey this is how it maybe should have looked yeah you could totally do that i've got some kind of like inaccurate bellow material that has like no rigidity to it whatsoever um it's the right size it's a it's a more of a plasticky material but it Mm -hmm. compresses like with no effort so you could totally make one that's just kind of like faux compressed right uh just as a a belt hanger essentially that'd Um, be cool and you, yeah, you could stick it on the track because the bullet catch works really well without the bellow on there. Like it, it stays in place really well. Uh, but cool. you know, with that with that detent in the handle, and uh, yeah, I may I may build a whole second one just as a belt hanger because um, it it looks so cool when it's on there. It, you know, there's not a lot of visual interest on the bottom side of the pedal, right? But it's it's cool to see it all together as one unit. Mm, yeah, it is. It is even even seeing uh, the the stunt one, which is mm-hmm. essentially this huge fuck off hunk of, <laughs> of you know foam rubber 
with a trap pedal and, and the trap all like <clears throat> hugging together. It almost looks like uh, snakes having sex. It's awful, <laughs> but like it's still cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's neat to just see what they were going for. It is. It is. How about you, Stuart? Um, currently working on an aluminum. See, I'm learning. Um, a hero <laughs> trap, uh, specifically the one from the actual containment unit scene. Ooh. That's going to be amazing. Um, I'm scratch building it from aluminium plate. It's taken a while. I haven't worked on it for a couple of weeks, but I'm hoping to get back into it maybe tomorrow. Hey, you're hand cutting that aluminum too, right? Yeah, jigsaw mostly. Um, and See, wow. that makes me really happy because that's probably not too <laughs> dissimilar from how they did it in the movie. Uh, we know they weren't laser cutting pieces back then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's definitely going to be wonky, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, but see, that's what makes it beautiful. It, it, that's what I've talked about it before. Like the laser cut pieces and stuff are great, and it's great for consistency yeah. among you know kits and things. But it it does miss that like human element of the wonk, you know. Yeah, I think that's what made the original prop so iconic. Most of the time was the imperfections. Um, so it's it's nice to be able mm-hmm. to try, at least try and capture that. Yeah, and it 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 adds whether I guess you're conscious of it or not when watching the movie, but it adds that little sense of realism that, you know, these were supposed to be hand-built. Yeah. And they were hand-built. Cobbled together. Yeah. Oh, but I can't wait to see that. Have yeah. you posted progress photos of that? Why I'm like... Um, I have a few weeks back. Um, it's basically just the outer uh, casing at the moment without the base mm-hmm. plate or the wheels on. Um, I was I, I got kind of distracted trying to source the, the wheels for a while. Um, but now that I've done that, I'm going to crack on and get it finished. Yes, well, luckily there's uh, there's no issues with people being in eBay hell with those wheels. <laughs> so <laughs> far, <laughs> is there any is there anybody we know that did eventually get those wheels that may or may not have been in eBay hell with them? Uh, no, I'm still stuck, and, oh, and really? like eBay eBay tells me to contact the seller and the seller just has stopped responding oh. to me. Like the last thing I heard from him was like, well, we sold 13 of them today. I'm like, I get that. Like, I'm not calling you a liar, man. I'm just saying, could you please cancel the sale so I can get this shit out of my cart and try <laughs> to rebuy them or just move on with my life? Cause at this point I'm going to, they're going to be stuck in my eBay cart saved for later. Um, they, in per- you know, for just ever, I'm like, whatever, man. I'm gonna go buy some Legos. It's like <laughs> trap wheel purgatory. Oh, well, if, if it doesn't it's, work out, I've got an extra set I can send over to you. It's no problem. It's it's time to buy or it's time to pay for your trap wheels again. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, I'm making a poster. <laughs> I did get. Uh, I got in my my most recent uh, send cut send order, and I'm learning their system better and better. They are very precise, um, and I'm thinking that my measurements when I'm when I'm taking measurements off of uh, this trap cartridge are precise. But I'm seeing where I'm making little mistakes, especially compensating for the thickness of materials. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but one of the big mistakes was the side plates. You know the the stunt trap. For Ghostbusters, those side plates are enormous compared to the the hero traps, mm-hmm. 
where the hero traps are a lot more aesthetically they're they're smaller so they look a little nicer a little bit neater um but i am just a few millimeters too big so that overall it looks good but the corners end up hanging off of the outside of the cartridge i'm like hi ah, i gotta i gotta come in like another maybe three or five millimeters to get them right but i'm getting close on that um Austin, I sent you some photos. I finally uh, pulled in the rest of the metal to complete the base plate for my IDW wand. Uh, the yeah. part I'm, I've called the tusks because I can't figure out a better idea of what to call them. And damn it, I'm building it, so I'm naming the parts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's actually sitting next to me, and I'm really, really stoked to see that. Um, I, I love that piece because it's basically an inverted gun track. It is. And yeah. I think that's really, I, I just, I, lo- I love the look of that. It's a really neat piece. It's, uh, it's, it's very visually interesting and, yeah. and, but also simple. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to get the washers on there and I'm excited to get everything, uh, drilled through, which is a little anxiety inducing because it is, you know, separate pieces all the way around. It's not mm-hmm. CNC together. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm digging that cause it's, you know, reminding me of the classic three-piece V-hook. Yeah. Um, but it should come, should come together well, and we have some nice weather this week, so I'm hoping that means that I can get back to finishing the fill work on the, the IDW wand, and I also need to get some more cutting wheels for my trusty Dremel to trim down <laughs> the aluminum pipe. Um. And then uh, I have all the ABS plastic now to build the interior box of of my yellow rod stunt trap. I just need to do a little bit of trimming on that as well. The the top plate ended up being just a hair too long. And again, not calculating for the thickness of the material that I ordered. Uh, sits just a, a hair too high. But outside of that, it's, it's just nice to have like parts coming in. Yeah. So that's always that's always good. I got a bunch of stuff in the mail in the last two days and it's just like Christmas, you know, I got, I got a couple of, uh, sound level meters. Oh, a couple. Uh, yeah. So there's one that's branded realistic and there's mm-hmm. one that's branded radio shack. Right. And to my knowledge, we don't really know which one's in the movie because there's mm-hmm. no, we never see the face clear enough to tell. So I figured I'd cover my bases and get one of each. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got, I'm doing a run of those GB2 uniform black belt, uh, charcoal uniform black belts. And I got like a, this huge box of buckles for those. And Ooh, fun. I got another vintage clippered valve. I got an RF331 finally. Oh, yes. Nice. All kinds of good stuff. And it's just, it's like a kid at Christmas, you know, I'm, I, I can't wait to tear into these and, <laughs> it just like I'm excited to see your belts because you're doing the two the dual tone on those, right? Yes. Yeah. I guess I could have yeah. talked about that. That's what's on my workbench. I guess, <laughs> current, most currently, but <laughs> we'll talk about it another time next week. Um, yeah, next week we'll talk about it when we record. I don't know tomorrow or something weird like that. <laughs> um, well, let's uh, let's see. We're we're at. 43 minutes coming up on 44 so yeah we got a good chunk of time to talk about 
finishing up proton packs and you know those last little bits that maybe we missed in prior episodes so let's uh you guys ready yep absolutely listen you smell something there's something very important i forgot to tell you what i collect spores molds and fungus why All right, guys, so we are at that point in the podcast, of course, where I plug our podcast. Again, you're listening to the Black Firehouse podcast, in case you forgot. You can find us every Tuesday on our RSS feed, Spotify, or on Apple Podcasts. You can also join the conversation at Spangler's 1984 Workbench and give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And again, if you haven't left us back positive reviews on Spotify or on our Facebook, please feel free to do so. It makes me feel... a little better about myself, not going to lie. <laughs> um, today, we are wrapping up kind of our intro to Proton Pack building, not the necessarily the, the, the movie props, but building your own Proton Pack at home. So we've gotten a chance to touch on some different methods, uh, different vendors, especially if you're not really sure where to start, um, different kinds of pack shells and materials. It's, it's been a fun few episodes, so I'm hoping everybody else is getting something out of it. Uh, today we're talking about kind of finishing, putting it all together, um, and we're we're also going to kind of again get get the crusty bits out of the corners of anything we might have missed on a few prior episodes. Last episode we we spoke about wands. Before that, Greeblies. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Before wands was actually parts, tubes, 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 tubes. Uh, it's where the internet comes from. It's in a series of tubes. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, shells, you know, the, the where to start. So let's let's think. You wanted a P-clamps, Austin. Yes, P-clamps. Um, All right, start us off with the all-important P-clamp. Brad Davis, uh, who you might know on Instagram and Facebook as Project Proton Pack, yelled at me for not mentioning P-clamps in the <laughs> episode. So we're rectifying that right now, and we're going to talk about P-clamps, uh, arguably the most important Greebly, because it helps to hold the ribbon cable in place so beautifully on the booster frame. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty easy to get. Um, you can get really specific and try and track down you know, vintage parts that have a matching serial number or whatever stamped into the front, um, mm-hmm. at least for the Vankman. I know... And maybe the superhero we have really decent reference of, but yeah. good luck on the other ones. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's one of the one of the few parts that has basically remained unchanged for years, and you can walk into most hardware stores and find one that looks basically identical. Um, and whether you're building a, a GB one or a GB two or an Afterlife, I think they vary in size slightly depending on which ribbon cable you're using i know the the one in afterlife is huge to accommodate all of the additional cables that are that are running through it but you know i think they cost you like maybe a couple of bucks at the most um if i know that it, yeah they should cost you a few cents yeah i you know i don't know uh i think Lowe's, I'm pretty sure I've seen them at Lowe's, Home Depot, you know, Ace Hardware's, Do It Best Hardware. I'm sure, you know, local mom and pop places uh, carry them, and and those places probably have some that are at least 20 years old still in inventory. Oh yeah, yeah. So you never know. Yeah, there's there's there is a, a local uh, mom and pop hardware store to me, 
and uh they do they they still have some old ones and it's great you go in there it's like yeah it's you know 55 cents for a p-clamp mm-hmm. um and the, so the p-clamp though were there two there's two sizes depending on the movie or is it depending on the pack that's a really good question i want to say it depends on the pack at least for gb2 but i'm probably wrong about that because yeah. i feel like go ahead i think they're all pretty similar size in gb1 i could be wrong about that but from what i remember anyway okay. i think they are smaller on the semi-hero packs possibly maybe that's where what i'm thinking of because i know there you have to have a larger one to accommodate the gb1 cable because yeah. it's so thick yes yes but looking at the superhero um with with the the ribbon cable through it for Ghostbusters two, uh, the peak lamp ends up looking enormous because the Spectra strip doesn't need as much clearance. Mm-hmm. So I know mm-hmm. at least the set the the semi heroes are using smaller clamps. I didn't know without going back and looking at oh the reference library um, <laughs> if uh oh if the the other hero packs were also outfitted with larger ones, if they kept them or if they retrofitted them with the smaller ones. Well, and it's hard to, I guess, you know, you'd have to compare directly to screen grabs from GB one to know for sure. Yeah. And even that, even then it might be difficult to discern whether it's actually bigger or not, if it's just angles and, Maybe the Spengler pack, that would probably be the easiest one since we have the martial arts reference, but other than that... Oh, yeah, that's true. Man, I wish we had that kind of reference for the other four packs. Oh, my God, wouldn't that be brilliant? That'd be a dream come true. Uh, It would be. It would be. Those those photos... I I only recently found out about them last year, maybe? Yeah, I think it was early. early, Yeah. But apparently they've been on that website for a few years. I don't know if somebody is only just now stumbled across them and is like, "Hey, these are these are out there." I think the the, the guy that t- took them actually posted them on GB fans at one point. Okay, that's Probably yeah. It, it's crazy that they they didn't show up on my radar in, until then. But they're just wonderful photos. I love those things. They're works of art in and of themselves. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> so it's wild looking at the the Spangler pack. Um, it almost looks like the superhero is using an extra large P clamp compared to the other hero packs. Well, and if they grabbed them out of Apex, I'm sure they're not necessarily sorted by size. There, they're just no. thrown in a tub. Yeah. So hmm. well, the superhero is also got that crazy. Um, wrap on the ribbon cable and it almost looks yeah. like the P-clamp's upside down. It is upside down. Yeah, I guess it's um, an, another like strange detail, you know, depending on the pack. It yeah. It's which and dirt, the, you know. the, the confirmation for knowing that that P-clamp was upside down is the wildest damn thing because the only photo we have, of course, is when they are firing down at Mr. Stay Puffed. Um, and that's when I first noticed it. I was like, man, that that thing looks like it's turned upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you, you can't be sure up until you get really close photos of the booster frame. And when you look at the booster frame as it sits now, 
the P-clamp spent a considerable amount of time upside down and actually imprinted itself on the booster frame resin. I was just going yeah. to so say they... that. It's on the, the Max Factory legacy frame. I got one of those in mm-hmm. the other day, and you can clearly see the indentations, uh, three separate ones where it's moved over time and left a new mark. Yep. And uh, it was, it was, it's even clearer on a different uh, booster frame um, casting that I have. It's not the Max Factory one. It, it might have come from the HMS days or, mm-hmm. or something like that. But that indentation is even clearer, showing that yep, this B clamp was at one point upside down. So it was a it was a happy confirmation for me, at least, just because it's so hard to really confirm where everything was pointed or what labels were or weren't used uh so there's a lot of like looking back at older evidence like uh even the placement of the danger label on yeah. the ppd yeah um it's it's lower on the superhero and the only reason you can tell is if you go and look at the ppd now you can see the residue from the bottom of the sticker mm-hmm. where it wore um man i love those details it's this that's what makes this fun. Um, so, okay. So we have a possibly, but probably two different size P clamps here um, without being able to, to handle the props. It's really hard to say, trying to look at the Spectre strip right now, if they retrofitted them, I'm looking at the, the ones that we have. I, I can't really tell. So I would assume at least for now that just the semi hero packs use the, the smaller P clamps. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Afterlife has a huge one on it. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, I want to say inch and a half, uh, inch wow. and a half inside diameter. Yeah, it's it's huge. And ironically enough, it was actually kind of hard for me to find them locally. I ended up having to go to some uh, like semi truck supply place of all places, like had them in stock, and you know, I got like ten of them for a few bucks. So hopefully I don't have to track any more down for a while. But For your five Phoebe packs that you're building? <laughs> yes. That's why it's taken me so long, because I'm actually building five at one time. <laughs> so then that that brings us to ribbon cables. Um, yeah. Oh, boy. So what we do know is in Ghostbusters 2, they use Spectra Strip, which mm-hmm. is still fairly available. Yeah. Um, 60 pin, I believe. Is the correct amount of wires? Yeah, offered through Ghostbuster fans, uh, GBHQ Prop Depot, um, maybe maybe some other seller. I think Ben of Kent sells them with his kits as well. So I mean, it's still pretty readily available. I I do believe that particular ribbon cable is officially discontinued at this point, though. Not to mm-hmm. you know, that's not to say there's not going to be plenty of supply for years and years to come Um, but panic cord right now (laughs) yeah well and there's even you know there's differences between the vintage examples and the more modern stuff the more modern Mm -hmm. stuff some of the colors of the wires are a little different um a little more vibrant yeah a little more more vibrant and yeah Yeah. the the laminate is a lot more glossy um i i did manage to pick up a bunch of kind of vintage pieces uh have the more matte finish they even have the the blue spectra strip stamping across the center mm-hmm. on one side um nice. so i'm hoarding those for my eventual gb2 packs 
Yeah, I have uh, I have one one roll of uh, a vintage Spectra strip that because it's been sitting around has has weathered itself mm-hmm. even nicer, which has been uh, a pleasant surprise. Um, but that's going to go on my Ghostbusters two superhero pack. So I do need to pick up some more for my eventual semi hero pack and kind of keep that off to the side. But what are we? You're looking at like what? 20 25 bucks for for Spectre strip. Yeah, and that's probably including shipping, I think. Yeah. I for, think for GB for one pack. Yeah, GB fans and GB parts HQ Depot, I think it's like 15 bucks. I think you get roughly 3 feet of it. Yeah. So then, you know, plenty plenty for one pack, probably a little bit of extra. Probably. Then you end up with one of the one of the most visually interesting parts of the Ghostbusters one proton pack is its ribbon cable. Yeah, yeah, and that's always been something that everybody wants such a you know a GB one ribbon cable, um, and we don't know what it is. Like so many things, we don't know what it is. But uh, the best seller out there, in my opinion. Uh, to this day, is still Fincher technology. Oh yeah, absolutely. The quality is unmatched. Yeah, I uh, I've used several Fincher cables, and they are top notch. Um, and you know they're they're canon now because they were used in Ghostbusters Afterlife. So they were they are screen accurate. Um, I there is a seller on Etsy. I think his name is Wire Fauna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've bought a couple of his. Um, I couldn't get a Fincher cable because he's always backlogged, of course. So uh, if you are trying to get a Fincher cable, you definitely want to reach out and get on a wait list for sure. Um, or keep your eyes peeled to his uh, Facebook page because every once in a while he'll release like five or ten at a time. Mm-hmm. And, he, and they go immediately. Um, but I was trying to build a, a Phoebe pack, a workbench pack with the removable cyclotron for the uh, the premiere weekend for our franchise to set up at the theater with. And I needed a GB1 cable for it, and Fincher didn't have any, and uh, so I found these on for on Etsy from Wirefauna, and they're the quality of them is actually pretty nice. Um, I think they're a little bit cheaper than the Fincher cables, mm-hmm. um, but they're definitely a good uh, a good option if you can't get a hold of a Fincher. They they're I think they're a little bit. Uh, smaller in terms of the width they're not quite mm-hmm. as wide as a fincher cable but they look great um they there, there were no flaws or anything in the laminating and no bubbles uh, that i could find in, in the two that i bought so um definitely a good option if if you can't get a hold of a fincher for sure then uh is it cs props cs prop C- shop maybe yeah yeah yeah, let's see. I thought they were also offering. Um... <clears throat> Goodness, sorry. Uh, I think I'm getting over some allergies or something. I don't know. So I'm, I'm sure I sound like absolute garbage. Uh, but but yeah, the, there's also CS Props. I think was offering uh, a Ghostbusters one cable, but I can't really say anything about the quality because 
I've never gotten a chance to handle one. They look nice. Uh, they do. They look great. I know there's somebody else that recently started selling them and video game cables, uh, also on Etsy. I want to say they're called the the GB Cablery or something like that. Um, okay. and, and again, they, they look nice. I can't necessarily speak for the quality because I haven't ordered one and, and messed with one, but um, they seem to have a pretty decent inventory uh, all the time. I know they'll they'll sell out and they'll uh, restock more because I'm always getting Etsy notifications about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, again, they look nice. Um, I would assume that they probably the quality is pretty good. I've seen a few people uh, talk about them on Facebook that have bought them and they seem to be happy with them. So it's it's nice to have so many options for something we used to not have at all. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Especially since we're no closer to identifying the the real thing. I feel yeah. like it's a Spectra strip still. I think it's an older Spectra strip. Yeah, I've got um, a feeling too. Um, someone had mentioned that it was possibly out of an aircraft. Um, I was mm-hmm. looking for the source of bellows uh, tangentially. Uh, and I stumbled across some old aircraft um, nose cones, fighter jet nose cones. And mm-hmm. the radar system for those has black programming control boxes which have the um what's the connector for the afterlife packs for the hose oh the the cannon connectors yeah it's full of those of different sizes different size spectra strips all uh, plugged into them so i think if anything uh, it's fairly likely that it may be an earlier version of that yeah and i and it may be something that they only produced for you know, military use or something. Yeah, not specific something commercially. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, they could have realistically been produced for just one kind of airplane mm-hmm. and nothing mm-hmm. else ever again. Um, well, we have those really great shots of a real one that are on Sean Bishop's uh, screen use stunt pack, which, yeah. as far as I'm aware, is the only existing example of a, a real mm-hmm. GB1 cable. Mm-hmm. And And you look at those photos and the way the ribbon cable is constructed, you know, we're used to seeing the fan recreations where the, the lamination is kind of, it's on both sides, right? So it, it hugs the shape of the wires on both sides, but the, the screen used one appears to be, it's flat on one side. And then you have the wires basically on top of that. They're, they're still Mm -hmm. laminated. Um, And I have some older spectra strip wire that is laminated in that same way where it's, it's Mm. flat on one side. Um, and it has large spaces between the wires too. Um, Uh, I don't, it's a, it's a much thinner cable. I think it's only five or six wires. Um, I actually used it on one of an old, uh, you know, colander helmet that I built years ago. That rings true with those um, black boxes. There was all sorts of sizes and shapes of spectra strip screwed into those connectors um, Mm -hmm. from large to small. Well, and interestingly enough, GB Parts or GBHQ Parts Depot on Etsy just recently listed some ribbon cable in their shop that is, it's spectra strip, but it's rainbow for about half of it and then the other half of it is the the candy cane striped wires but they're but they're all they're much smaller gauge of wire there's no spacing in between the wires it's all but i mean it's it's very similar visually to a gb1 cable so 
it would not surprise me at all if it if, if the GB1 cables are SpectraStrip or were made by SpectraStrip. Yeah, but maybe like just not. Yeah, just not something that was commercially available. We blew Dan's I mean, mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm, I was uh, sorry. I was actually trying to go to the the GBHQ Etsy store. I, I love their store. They do such a good job of, you know, keeping new and different things in stock. And I was also looking at photos of the the CS Prop Shop mm-hmm. um, ribbon cable as well, which is very very glossy. Um, but again, it's a glamour shot, so it's hard to tell yeah. if it's yeah. You know, you know what it really 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 looks like um this is definitely one of those things where man i wish you know i was a a millionaire or something and i could just be like oh well i'm gonna buy that just so i can you know see what it's about and see its quality and stuff but again like like the other ones you had mentioned it's also looking good um let's see other other parts though it would be amazing if it is just Spectra Strip and there's just rolls of oh, Ghostbusters cool. one accurate ribbon cables sitting someplace. Uh-huh. The problem is we have to get a community member that's going to buy it and, and sell it at a not outrageous cost. <laughs> hey, <Jay. Right>. uh, <laughs> $7,000 for two feet. <laughs> that's that not long enough for a single pack. <laughs> oh, so you're going to need four feet. So that's fourteen dollars $14,000? Ugh. Ugh. Gosh. Uh, I, I know the, somebody's the brought up. That, Go ahead. Sorry. It's the same people that are offering brand new clippered valves bought like <laughs> last year for $200 on eBay. Ugh. That's, that drives me nuts. I mean, that, I mean, that's clearly somebody that knows they're used on the Ghostbusters Pro Time Pack and they're just looking to take advantage of somebody that doesn't know any better. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Anyway, that's fine. Nobody's gonna buy so those else? anyway. Uh, Alice frames. Alice frames for sure. That's a that's probably a whole episode we could talk about. But let's try let's that's try and a, break it down in like ten I minutes or so. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> talk about Alice frames. Why not? Because you're right. It's a whole episode. Should we release this episode next week? Or a week after next? And no, we're, and you we're... know what? We, we're talking about we're talking about custom packs and spirit packs. We're going to talk about those, and then after we do those two episodes, then we're going to talk about Alice Frames. Okay, well, let's put a pin in it right here. Tune in how, however many weeks from now to... Tune in a month from now and yeah. we'll talk to you about Alice Frames that you need for your pack that you're trying to build right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying there, there, there is there's a legitimately a whole episode between Fox Outdoor and Rothko and the differences in Afterlife uh, LC1 versus LC2 all uh, of all of the variations between LC1s and LC2 the the GB fans replica that's out there that's amazing I mean but I I don't know I feel like sometimes I'm just burnt out on talking about Alice frames. So let's just go, just go buy your, go buy a fucking frame. You know what? Yes, yeah, so no, buy, buy comes a Rothko frame. Often. Put your forty. Yeah, put put your forty five pound pack on a on a piece of you know pot metal. Enjoy. <laughs> it will be fine. Uh, it will be fine. <laughs> it won't be. But also, it surely won't. But it also, 
you know, I want to be screen accurate, so I want to put a Rothko frame on my Alstray or my uh, Afterlife pack. It's it's terrible. What's even more terrible is Rothko frames used to be amazing. They were they were still dimensionally smaller than genuine GI stuff, but and I think uh, we talked about this in the probably our first episode we were talking about uh, the uniforms, uniforms. Yeah, is that once upon a time Rothko supply used to be really really good, um, and now it's just pot metal and hatred. <laughs> I yeah I yeah I, yeah uh. yeah. <laughs> anyway, what about other things? What about hoses? Did we talk about the colored hoses, the clipper hoses? Those stuff? are difficult to get now as well. We did not. Yes, they are. Which is crazy because they used to be so easy to get, mm-hmm. and it was like almost overnight. Suddenly, nobody yeah. could get them. I mean, I've got a little bit uh, of the yellow you know, left. Um, but I can not find any any of the other, especially the large clipper blue. That's impossible to find. Yeah, that stuff is solid gold if you can get a hold of it. And, you know, I guess we should probably talk about, you know, is it really confirmed that there are two different shades of clippered blue in GB1? There's like a slightly lighter that blue. That seems to be. One of them seems to be blue. more transparent on the top of the iron arm, and the one below is... Yeah, a bit more um, on solid. The, on the superhero, yeah. yeah. Well, I know, you know, the more slightly more transparent stuff or translucent stuff is definitely a GB2 I thing. think that's Nikoil um, brand, whatever. whereas the solid stuff is Clippard, so maybe they had both on there. Yeah, but I think the, the one on top of the iron arm of the superhero is a retrofit for GB2. Uh, yeah. It probably just yeah. fell off. Yeah. Um. I you know I I've talked a lot about this with uh, with Aaron Norton um, about the blue clipper hose and it's like there are like the the stance hero and I want to say the Spangler there are there are a couple of sections of the blue hose that appear to be a lighter shade of blue than the what we know as the regular clippered mm-hmm. blue. Hmm. Um, it's you know it's opaque it's solid opaque it's it doesn't have any translucency to it but. You know, I don't know of anybody that's ever found a, a real world, real world, real world example of a lighter blue clippered branded hose. Do you think that's due to age, or do you think that's just the stock color differing? Or see, that's what I've always I've always assumed it was uh, just a, a running change in the in the yeah. color, just a slight difference in color, and wherever they got their hose from, they just got a little bit of the old stuff, and then a lot of the newer stuff, or whatever the current was at the time. Um, they dyed but it gray. They overdyed it gray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's and it's really strange too, though, because what I've noticed digging through my what little bit of clipper hose I have left, I'm starting to get these little spots in the green mm-hmm. hose, and the spots in the green hose are a perfect match for the blue hose. Oh. Like there are these weird little blue spots that are showing up in the green. And then vice versa, I'm getting little spots in the blue hose that are a perfect match for the green hose. 
That's strange. It's really bizarre. And and the thing is, is I've gone back and looked at the reference photos of the screen used ones, and I can't see any evidence of these little spots appearing with age, you know, on the screen use pack. So I don't know what the deal is with the stuff I've got. At first, I thought maybe I had them stored laying on top of each other and, you know, maybe some color had transferred from the blue to the green. But, you know, that green's not going to transfer to the blue. Um. It's just really strange. Just a just a weird oddity that I noticed recently. That is a weird oddity. So I don't, maybe I don't think I've seen anything like that on any of my older hoses. Maybe if we, because green seems to be pretty easy to get a hold of. Still, we could run it through some kind of chemical process that would discolor it, and they would turn blue. I'm pretty sure this is your supervillain origin <laughs> story. Well, the difference is, I would tell everybody up front, "Hey, this is green hose that I." turned blue i wouldn't be trying to tell people oh this is genuine no blue like you, you you yourself would fall into the chemical process oh gotcha 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 and yeah. come out altered i would know? come out as clippered like blue <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> like a, a pneumatic version of the joker <laughs> well i know what costume i'm doing for dragon con next year <laughs> um so what about alternatives? So, like, if you can't find if you can't find Clipper, you know, I know one of the problems is, is they have that nylon stuff out there, mm-hmm. and the nylon works for long runs of the hose. You know, you can get away with using the nylon for the injectors, yeah, beam line. But man, trying to get anything that's not a silicone hose to yeah, twist, like it. you needed to twist for the top. Of, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not getting it. I've had to, to find, uh, you know, a, a copper tubing or wire or something to shove up inside that, yeah. that's that nylon stuff to kind of take the kinks out of it. You know, if I've, if Solder. I've had, Solder, solder works, especially if it's a little, uh, a little more solid. I, I've tried solder in the, uh, the red hose for the that goes between the banjos, um, mm-hmm. and it was so soft it just like it didn't keep its shape at all. Because the for whatever reason the afterlife hose, there's something beside whatever wires they're using to run the electronics have to have they have to be like solid core or something, because mm-hmm. the when that when that gun is being held out, that red hose like folds up under the barrel, which it wouldn't do naturally. It would just kind of you know hang like it does on all the other mm-hmm. packs. So mm-hmm. I experimented with shoving like solder and stuff in it to try and get that bend in it, and uh, I don't remember what I ended up using. I because I, I don't have electronics running through it right now. It's just static. But yeah, I mean you know even just like bailing wire would probably be a, a decent option. Um, you know, and as far as alternatives go, uh, it seems like most sellers that I see nowadays, GB fans, uh, Charlesworth Dynamics, uh, there's some eBay sellers that sell hose kits, uh, GB Parts Depot, they all seem to be selling, um, whatever, like silicone based hose or whatever. Um, I don't see a lot of that nylon stuff being offered anymore. So I mean, it, it's nice to be able to to find, you know, the flexible alternative yeah. stuff, um, mm-hmm. and and to have it be a little more readily available because there was kind of a dark period there where you couldn't get blue and and anything soft. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I'm 12. What is this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, There's also whatever... I don't know what company a lot of these, these sellers are getting their hose from, but the greens that are being offered are a lot closer match to the clippered green than they yeah, used to long, For a long time, it Thank was God. a forest green almost, but now it's a more of a sea form. It's getting closer to the actual find. Yeah, or, or a really bright, like almost a neon. Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty obnoxious. They need to go back to the forest green. Yeah. Um, and whatever uh, Charlesworth Dynamics is, is selling is really close to the Clippert Green. Very, very close. Mm. So there's still there's still options. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if you can't find authentic Clippert stuff, if you can't find authentic new old stock, there's still options out there. You know, you might run in some difficulty to, to getting accurate green unless you know where to look. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still there, which is good. I, I will say the stuff that GB fans sells, um, their blue has a little bit of that translucency to it, so it's actually a pretty good option for GB two Sigma Hero nice. stuff. Very cool, very cool. So I think that what what else are we are we forgetting anything else? Not really. I mean, as far as like Greeblies and stuff on the pack go that we missed out on, I think that's pretty much everything at this point. So, Stuart, what color do you paint your proton pack? Well, it has to be satin black. There's no other substitute for it. Austin? Satin black. Dan? Satin black. That's right. (laughs) They're satin. And uh, it gives it that oily sheen. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's always been like... That's like the closer to me on a proton packet. You know, I've seen them painted gloss. You know, like the Omni pack comes off as much more of a gloss mm-hmm. paint um, rather than that. And then I'm like, that's a little too shiny. I've seen them in flat black. Not not a huge fan. It makes them look flat. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, satin, semi, you know, semi-gloss or satin black, it gives it that oily sheen that finish and i just absolutely yeah love so it. almost like a cast uh, iron brand... finish not quite matte not quite mm-hmm. yeah gloss mm-hmm. what brand paints are you guys using now now Stuart, do you guys have different spray paint brands we do we there? struggle to get we have... the brand you you have most of it's prohibited to uh, ship here uh there is one brand that is absolutely fantastic and almost a perfect match that's halford's brand um, and mm-hmm. they make the most beautiful satin black uh, that's absolutely mm. spot on. Um, other than that, just standard primers and clears. Um, I think we do get Krylon, but uh, that's about it. I'm, I'm not a fan no. of Krylon. I've always felt Krylon goes on too thick. And, uh, you know, that, that could be user error on my part, but I've always had such great success with Rust-Oleum. Mm-hmm. Um, their their prime and finish satin black is is my go to. I would just I I could buy cases of that stuff because anything Ghostbusters that needs to be painted black gets gets that treatment. Um, Austin, what are you using over there? Well, I used to be a Krylon boy. 
Yeah, I know. I uh, I love Krylon. I loved Krylon, and somewhere down the line recently, they've totally changed their formula, and now it's just Rustolium Junior. <laughs> and uh, it's fine. Rustolium, their paint is beautiful. It is high quality. It's durable. Mm-hmm. But God, it takes fucking forever to dry. <laughs> It can, yeah. I hate it. I am such an impatient person when it comes to waiting for paint to dry, and uh, that's well, why I love Rust- Krylon. Well, Rust-Oleum is weird. Their their priming finish seems to dry faster than any of their other paints. Not for me. I've tried it, and I don't know if it's the Oklahoma humidity and uh, air or what, but it 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 all dries at a snail's pace for me. Oh, for man, every... I, I could not. I could not for the life of me to get a yellow to dry within a day. Um, But black is always, you know, able to gingerly move it at least Mm -hmm. within 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that's why I used to love Krylon is like, I'd I'd lay it on a couple of coats and then boom, 10 minutes. I could pick it up and handle it. Um, I, you know, if it were a prop that needed to look, very pristine and clean um i have no problems letting it sit Mm -hmm, overnight whatever but with the ghostbusters props to me it's almost become part of my weathering process where you know i wait for the paint to dry just long enough where i can handle it without fingerprinting it Mm -hmm. and so i'm i'm getting my oily fingers in it i'm it's already getting handled and weathered and paint starts to rub off just a little bit in the high spots. And, uh, you know, it's totally not what you're supposed to do, but to me, it it just adds to the look and to the weathering. Well, that's Um, a perfect time to add any um, brush strokes and anything you want to to add that aren't on your shell that uh, you can see in the reference. So there are quite a lot of brush strokes um, from, I don't know if it was from uh, applying the texture or, sealing the thing or what but there's a lot there if you look for it there was a time when i thought it was just Mm touch-ups like you know something got scratched so they oh we throw some paint on with a paintbrush or whatever because i mean i do that i'll i'll spray a little puddle of you know spray paint out and dip a paintbrush in it to touch up something but there's too much of it, and the the strokes are too broad and wide for yeah. it to to just it be touch ups. Far too deliberate, especially around the sink gen and the top of the um the crank generator. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know. I know we kind of hypothesized at one point that maybe it was the sealer being brushed on mm-hmm. the foam master or something, but you know, I've never gone back to compare if the if the brush strokes are consistent between every pack or if they're That's different. That's another issue. They're it's different. Diff- difficult to even match um, the texture on yeah. one pack to the other because all the angles are different. The texture looks completely uh, different depending mm-hmm. on the angle. So it could match and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but we just can't tell. Yeah. One of those mysteries that's probably never going to get solved. Yeah. That's okay. <clears throat> now, do you prefer... Austin, mm-hmm. do you prefer adding your own shell texture or do you prefer it being cast in? Honestly, I haven't really found that I have a preference. I, I'm, I don't mind adding my own texture if it doesn't have it or if I don't mm-hmm. feel it's uh, heavy enough in certain areas. But, you know, at the same time, if if the kid I'm working with already has it, you know, 
cast in um and it looks good i don't i don't see a, a need to add to it but i mean it, it doesn't really bother me one way or the other if i if i have to to add it um and i've never had any issues with with texture sticking and you know or or chipping off or anything after it's been painted um i've used truck bed liner most of the time um way back in the day i tried uh the spray on oh what's that cool stuff back. called no, that's the one thing I haven't actually tried ever. Orange peel? No, uh, Plastidip. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. The spray on Plastidip would come out, and it doesn't come out smooth. It's got a weird, you know, kind of speckly texture to it. And uh, I tried that way back in the day on one of our old vacuum form shells, and it looked great until you scuffed it, and then it would just, it would start to peel. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, I mean, vi- it was kind of visually interesting, but it, uh, you know, I wasn't, I was young and dumb and didn't think about the fact that if it gets scratched, it's not going to just chip off. It's going to peel up. Given that it's, you know, rubber. That makes sense. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to the paint real quick. There's a new brand that Walmart has been carrying called Color Shot. And they're in these, like, kind of tall, skinny cans. Um. And they have a semi-gloss paint called Black Tie Affair that uh, I've been using on my GB1 Trap and my GB1 Trap pedal. And it's a really great uh, alternative to the Krylon, you know, the old formula. It dries really quick. It's got a great sheen to it. So um, if that's something that, you know... You're impatient like me, and you don't want to wait for rust oleum to dry. It's a really good alternative. There you go. See, I'm not too terribly impatient. Generally, what happens is I'll I'll hit the rust oleum, and then I end up bringing it inside mm-hmm. and letting it cure overnight. Yeah. Um, except for that yellow, man, it took like five days for that yellow to dry for me. What were you painting yellow? Uh, plastic. But I mean, what? Caution stripe on a trap door or side rods? Just just painting a whole trap. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, it was very strange. I don't I don't know why I had such a a difficulty with it, but you know, it finally dried and it it dried nice and smooth and happiness all around. But uh Hmm. I just haven't had the same drying issue with uh, their their prime and finish. Um now I have gotten fingerprints into it, but I, I never really worry about that too much just because there's so many fingerprints in the screen, mm-hmm. you know, use stuff. Yeah. Um Again, but, it, it, uh, it, the, no. the the Ghostbusters props are almost an excuse to be shitty with the craft. <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> you know, when I when it's cutting out the trap plates and side plates and stuff for my, my stunt trap, you know, if they're not perfectly straight, it's fine. You know, right. like it just adds to that overall look. Yeah, it gives like, it more character. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like this and maybe Star Wars are like the two main franchises where you can get away with kind of uh, shitty practices in your painting <laughs> or whatever, and it's okay. It's fine. It it it's part of the it's part of the look. Right. What about uh, weathering? Oh man. That's a difficult one. It's so easy to overdo. I kind of yeah, most of the time so I just like to leave things to weather themselves, and maybe take the edges off things. But 
I think the only time I would probably mm-hmm. weather something and throw everything I had at it is if I was doing a a properly relic pack as they look now, like the one the props and replicas have done. Their Murray Hero pack, oh, absolutely yeah. gorgeous and as heavily weathered, but so well done. Yeah, it's that has mm-hmm. hands down been my favorite Ghostbusters two yeah. pack I've ever seen anybody replicate, and it's not even I done yet. We, we talked about that pack uh, two episodes ago, or at least the parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, in which his his hand paint job on um, his bellows was was incredible. So when you're getting into that kind of detail of of hand weathering something with paint mm-hmm. rather than large flourishy special effects because yeah. you know most people know if you want to add that dust you know you get a sock and some fuller's earth and yeah and hit it um and you know i know go ahead yeah no you I, I was gonna say the and the weathering on a ghostbusters proton pack is you know so many people i think sort of just assume that oh well you're supposed to put silver on it you're supposed to make it <laughs> Yeah. look you know and, and, and i'm not i'm not faulting anybody for that like when it's done well it it looks great um of we've talked in the past you know people tend to go way overboard with it um mm-hmm. but there's really there is no exposed metal on the proton packs in the first movie aside from you know the wands or the real metal parts but nothing that's intentional Right. You know, it's all just natural wear from being on set and stuff. The the kind of weathering and stuff on the packs, especially in the first movie, is just whatever happened naturally on set with them being worn. Um, nicks and scratches and dings and things like that. And dust and Pardon. dirt. That's where... Which, you which know, made Ghostbusters 2 even funnier because none of that weathering is intentional either. Yes, it's just shitty storage <laughs> yeah. not giving a shit about you know taking care of them uh and you know then when it comes to the semi-hero packs you know you've got fins snapped off of the wands and you know so holes horribly, in the sides yeah. and and air yeah. bubbles oh. and all all kinds of great Huge stuff of epoxy putty holding the injector tubes together and yes beautiful <laughs> also a big fan of like the shoddy silver paint jobs on the semi-heroes oh on the knobs on the knobs and even on the front collar where you can tell it's black underneath still well like they just took a paintbrush and like they went over the top of the knob but they didn't get the underside no yeah love it yeah but it's also charming you know it's Mm -hmm. it's got its own quirks and and its own weird wonks you know that make it appealing to me and and i know you know other people like me and like you and stuart and everybody like it, it's well, it's stuart beautiful also, beautifully ugly yeah stuart hit the the best weathering method which is just leaving mm-hmm. it yeah um especially if you got a workshop if you got a workshop in which you're kicking up a lot of dust and things like that um like leave your proton back in the corner go work on another project you know, let shit get kicked around in the air and there, you end up with a, a pretty genuine looking article mm-hmm. at the end of like six or seven months. Yeah, I had a, a proton pack that I set on a shelf and it was on that shelf for about five years. Mm. And I finally pulled it back off the shelf. I mean, it was just caked in dust. Like it, the, the dust had 
it was stuck. Like you, <laughs> you couldn't just wipe it off or blow it off. Like I had to take a rag and like scrub it off. Oh wow! Yeah, it's almost like and it was great. Paint after a while, you can see that a lot in the Spengler pack from the profiles yeah. pictures. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it it's like it starts to just like eat into the yeah. very top layer of the paint. Um, but it looks great. It was the best weathering that I've ever done in a pack, and I didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> I just let it sit for five years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what I love to see. And I know a lot of people love to make brand new, clean, factory fresh proton packs, and there's definitely a place for that. And they do look very yeah. pretty. But man, there's to me nothing beats a a beat up, dirty, dusty old. Yeah, you know, clean and idealized is always seen. very impressive. But there's just something special about something with the right amount of wonk and shittiness to it. <laughs> I love uh, I love the point the proton packs were at in the end of the first Ghostbusters movie, where they had been handled enough that there was uh, you know you're starting to get that exposed paint in mm-hmm. places. Or I'm sorry, you know, exposed resin in places, a little bit of explo- exposed aluminum in other places, um, and then you know, that that right there is is the sweet spot for weathering for me. Mm-hmm. I do love, yeah, pristine packs and then old beat up packs. I I do love both of those, but uh, I like that well used yeah. look without going to barn fine without um, going spank a uh, superhero in GB two kind of to crap and yeah yeah the the stuff that is always really notice like notable to me in gb1 is the way the motherboards weather on the backside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know the all the paint rubbing off of the the pop rivets and just all that missing paint around the edges it's it all my eye is always drawn to them every time I watch the movie, especially in the rooftop scenes where you really get great looks at it. Um, and that kind of stuff, it's hard to replicate. Yeah. Not truly intentionally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can get you can get it started and then kind of let you know nature take its course and kind of continue to rub off and flake or whatever. But like those kinds of very intentional replication you know, of, of scratches and, and flaked off paint is so difficult yeah. to pull off. So when I, when I see people that do it, it just blows my mind. And I, I have so much respect for people that, that even attempt it in the first place. Um, I think my favorite piece of uh, that I, I very rarely see is right under the, the power cell on the corner and running along the edge. Every single pack in the movie has the gray primer exposed. And it must have just been from them picking yeah. them up and helping each other take them on and off. Um, but it adds yeah. just a, a beautiful little touch that you really see in replicas. But when it is done, it just it adds something special to it. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've never tried to seal my primer between black coats because a lot of times, and it could just be my painting methods because, as I said, I'm very impatient, so I tend to lay down primer. And then as soon as it's dry, I'll kind of give it a quick wet sand or a you know dry dry sand with a high grit sandpaper, and then I immediately put down black on it. So they probably <laughs> they probably fuse together better than they they should. But uh, every time I try and expose just primer, I just take the primer and the paint with it, and I expose whatever raw material is underneath. 
Um, so I've thought about like, what if I sealed my primer before laying down my black? Would that help? But yeah, a clear yeah. and then another clear on top just to seal it all in afterwards. Yeah. Now, have you ever had uh, any effect on adding that final clear coat to the to the satin effect? I've never sealed any of my Ghostbusters props with any kind no, of top coat either. ever because you know you want the paint to 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 dull out and yeah. to take fingerprints and, and to scratch and everything. So I've I've never sealed any of. I that. think I would with a thrower if I uh, put another one together, only because the paint is so fragile on it that we have now. Um, mm-hmm. I think next time yeah. we'll go with the uh, two pack epoxy based paint that's supposedly very robust and seal that because it's just such a pain to have paint flaking off at the, the, the very mention of a scratch yeah yeah I I, I, just... have, I don't know were the the throwers even primed it doesn't seem like it unless it was black primer because there's no, no grey on them at all yeah I've never seen any grey exposed primer on any of the throwers I'd to me, that's like the one thing you should yeah. prime, <laughs> you know. But maybe they wanted them to weather. I don't know. Probably well, not. It's, whatever the finish is, it's the same on the ghost traps. Um, it's very hard wearing. It's probably just a really yeah. nasty chemical based paint that we can't get anymore. That's why everybody that worked on the original props is dead. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, probably right. <laughs> Well, what other uh, what other finishing tips do we have for our listeners? So we we talked about you know paint application. We talked about weathering. Um, what else? Did we talk about motherboards? Talked about motherboards. We did. No. Oh, we didn't. Okay. Mm-mm. Um, I feel like that's a you know that's a pretty big, pretty big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It's really easy to find files to have them laser cut, or you can buy them already mm-hmm. laser cut from a lot of different sellers. You just have to make sure that whatever motherboard you're buying is compatible with whatever shell you're using. It's also very um, easy just to buy a piece of uh, the right thickness aluminium and cut your your uh, motherboard yourself, trace around the shell. It's a bit time-consuming, but yes. it's, it's going to give you the better um, fit. That's what I always recommend. Yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's ni- it's nice to be able to have one. You don't have to mess with it. But every shell you get, even if you buy two GB fan shells or two Proton Prop shells, whatever, they could differ slightly. Yeah. You know, those molds are going to have their own warpage to them a little bit. And so in order to get like an, a true perfect fit, you should custom make it yourself. And I think it's very intimidating for people, but they don't, you know, you just... It's not hard. No. I mean, it gets you a, if you've got access to a jigsaw and a metal cutting blade, it's a piece yeah, of Yeah, it cake. takes a couple of hours, um, a little bit of file work at the end. And that's another place where you can leave it intentionally rough because they are kind of nicked and crappy looking around the edges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there's, again, if there's a little bit of uh, inconsistency in, in the, the flatness or whatever, yeah. it just adds to it. For Especially me. when you're weathering the edges back, it'll hold on to the paint a little bit more and those deeps that you've not smoothed out quite all the way. Yeah, for sure. Dan. Yep. You're falling asleep. I can hear you. Oh, I, I totally am. I'm going to have to edit 
all of my snoring out. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> oh, we must be so boring. Nah. Leave it in. No. Man. <laughs> it's it's dude, it's not even that. Like I'm 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 loving the conversation. It's just I'm I'm at the edge of pure exhaustion. And it oh. doesn't help that uh my wife snuck in about half an hour ago and is sleeping on the bed behind me, so I'm just like, Oh, that looks amazing. <laughs> so what about stickers though? Who's oh, your man. go to for labels? Max Factory, I think, uh, would have to be just because yeah, of the quality yeah. and accuracy of the one. He really pulled ahead yeah. with with his updates. Um and the colors are nice. I still I still think I prefer the blue on uh the old Joe, Joe Luna labels for the um for the bumper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um especially the, the the metal blue. Um and his uh the Max Factory ones almost have more of a, a chromatic look to them that yeah. I'm like, eh, I'm like, uh, you know, kind of, kind of on the fence about, um, but his most recent ones, you know, especially the stickers now that he's releasing with parts and how he's releasing them with parts, which he's, he's, and you can still buy just a pack of stickers from Max Factory. Um, but now as he released parts, he's releasing corresponding stickers with them as well, which I thought was a real cool touch. Um, you know, so if you're getting the legacy bumper, you're getting all the hardware, the bumper, also the bumper label, which is a really, really great way of doing it. Well, hopefully after um, uh, Chris's amazing discovery, that'll be updated yet again and we'll get an even more accurate version with Max. I hope so. I hope so. Because uh, I just think uh, the colors are just maybe a little too dark on his. Yeah. Um. Now his his flat labels, you know, standard warning labels and stuff like that are gorgeous. Um, and the red on his gearbox label is definitely, for me at least, better than than the Luna labels that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as accessibility, though, you know, Max Factory, as far as sticker labels go, could be considered a little pricey. Yeah, especially over here, um, it was about. Mm-hmm. I ordered a set of dry rub transfers, and I think after shipping it was about £49. Yeah. Quite a lot, but uh, I mean, it's worth it for the quality you're getting, but. um, It is. Yeah. It is. I think a lot of it is due to the packaging and all the work that he's put into it, which is understandable. Mm hmm. Um, GB Fans is still a great go to, uh, especially for other projects. You know, if you're looking to. To, you know, just do a little bit of a basic modification to a spirit trap or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's nice that, you know, the GB fan sticker sheets have so many stickers on them that you can get a proton pack and a couple other props out of it, which is which is nice. Yeah, and, you know, I've not used any of the Max Factory labels yet. Mm-hmm. Um, just haven't gotten around. I, I, like... Mikhail Lynn and I have had some conversations about like the afterlife labels mm-hmm. and we seem he, he especially, you know, had pointed out that he's pretty confident that they used at least on the Phoebe heroes, uh, GB fans labels. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, at least for some of them, you know, I don't know about the bumper labels and things like that, but, um, so I've been using GB fans labels on these builds that I've been doing. Um, mm. but, 
you know, I, I need to just sit down and order a set of the Max Factory just so I have some on hand. Um, but I will say the the really nice thing about their dry rubs that I've gotten recently is there's enough for two two packs worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really nice. Uh, and I kind of wish that all label sets had enough for, you know, two of whatever they're for, whether it's traps or packs or whatever. Especially dry rubs because you usually mess at least one of them up. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably why there's there's multiples, but you know, um, it's just it's nice to to have those backups and to uh, yeah to have the option to switch between uh, GB one or GB two style labels because I know some of the metallic labels in GB one are they're not metallic in GB two on the semi heroes right because they're just copies of them. Correct. Well, I think most of the semi-hero labels are printer paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially how that the uh, the top label has faded, mm-hmm. uh, the circuit diagram label has faded into yellow. Yeah. On, on the ones that are still in you know Sony storage and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'd love to see you know a label set that is got GB One Hero labels and then you know a semi-hero uh, set. Nikotron like did used to offer something like that, I think. Um, hmm. I I bought a, a, just a, a load of parts from Nikotron when he was shutting up shop and it included a, a whole stack of semi-hero labels. Oh, gorgeous. Nice. Yeah, I'm still uh, still on the lookout for another one of Nikotron's um, Mark III stunt traps. Oh, yeah. You know, I never bought from Nikotron, but I miss him because I just always loved seeing his kits that he was putting out or builds he was doing or builds people were doing of his products yeah his work was absolutely outstanding yeah mm-hmm. agreed I, th- I really think he set the standard that <clears throat> you know when we were talking about pack parts um a couple episodes ago there austin i i think nicotron set that standard of of what people were expecting as far as resin parts coming through mm-hmm. for sure just beautiful work. He and he and Throwing Chicken, I think, are just unmatched in the the quality of their castings. And yeah, um, you know, absolutely, it's... absolutely. I mean, like even you know, th- this goes beyond finishing, of course. But the uh, the trap cradle that I I got from Throwing Chicken to to make into my stunt trap, it's from his hero kit, but it's a reject. So he didn't do any cleanup, <laughs> and like it's still gorgeous it, and it, it's funny too when you have somebody who has such high standards like that for what they want their finished products to be mm-hmm. a reject casting is like standard for other <laughs> sellers you know what they it's, it's above standard for, yeah uh, the like uh, you know the vendor you see at every big convention selling those crappy soap resin guns oh yeah <laughs> yes i've shrunk in about 25 oh, percent and I swear those guys that sell those kits at conventions, it's like they're using a filler with their resin to stretch it out. Yeah, it must be. They probably are. You know, I mean, I've I've worked with some really terrible resins in my prop making career, and I've never had anything just outright crumble. But <laughs> every kit that I've ever worked with from one of those like shady you know, convention dealers, something crumbles or something 
uh, a whole section will just like fall out or there'll be a huge air bubble that gets exposed, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. guys, come on. Mm. Mm. So, okay. I mean, I think we've kind of hit everything as far as finishing. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's always the the nuts and bolts of it, literally, where, you know, you're trying to match your shell to your motherboard, make sure your brackets are lined up mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's, a, again, that's a whole other entire episode of, you know, do... It, it, there's also things out there that it's difficult to even talk about. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you have to have a visual representation to even grasp what we're we're yeah. getting at, you know. Um, mm-hmm. That's why, you know, it's great that we have YouTube now, and there's so many tutorials on there for all sorts of different stuff. Wait, we don't have a YouTube. Oh, no, we have a YouTube. You're talking about just YouTube that we have YouTube in general now. In general, yes. For those kinds of tutorials, yeah. Yeah. It definitely, like, that's one of the things I, I don't think a lot of people understand or they take for granted is that it's so easy now to go and look up uh different ideas and tutorials for how to put together you know not just a proton pack but props in general mm-hmm. um and it's definitely a an invaluable resource that people should check out yeah for sure but I mean, uh you know aside from the fact that i am falling asleep over here which i do apologize <laughs> has nothing to do with you guys it has everything to do with like <laughs> the 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 minimal amount of sleep that I've gotten over the past two days. Um I mean I think we've kind of hit everything on how to start with a proton pack. I I already know though, like this episode's gonna go live in two weeks and, and Jack Dad will be leaving some message, but you forgot about <laughs> this. Um Well we yeah, it's impossible to cover yeah. everything. I think we've hit it's most the, of the, the major thing, thing I can think of. Yeah. I think the the best way to weather those is to expose them to silver. Um, there's oh, yeah. nothing that can. Uh, um, maybe oh, the yeah. ion arm rods throws you off if a pack's beautifully weathered, and there's bright copper rods on there. Um, yeah, either put them in a container mm-hmm. with a crushed up egg or something, leave it overnight, and it'll mm-hmm. have a beautiful tarnish. You can paint over that. But apart from that, yeah, I think. It kind of covers everything. That's I a, like painting them. That's a, that's a really great tip, though, because, you know, I usually try and, like, heat them up or something and, and quench them really quick, and I make sure I rub my greasy, oily fingers all over them, yeah. you know, but it takes a while for that to, <laughs> to kick in. I always forget about the silver <laughs> trick. Interesting. I didn't know about the silver trick, so that's, that's a really awesome one. Um... Other things, you know, if you really want to get artistic with it, you know, experiment with uh, pastels. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know yeah. this. If you want to add some color into your, like, your weathering and things like that, um, crush up pastels of different colors and uh, use it kind of like the Fuller's Earth, you know, trick or even like a pad brush or something. Mm-hmm. If you want to add, like, in some rust colors and stuff. Um, and they actually, you could use... Uh, artist sealer yeah that dries neutral it's it's it doesn't mm-hmm. dull things down it doesn't sharpen things it doesn't it doesn't do anything it just keeps things there and it's specifically designed to keep graphite onto paper mm-hmm. so if you're doing a weathering 
you know, like that with something that's not necessarily a paint. If you're doing weathering, that's something that it, it's more granular in nature. You can hit it with uh, with that finisher to keep everything kind of in place, which is pretty fun. Yeah, um, I've used some of those pastels and stuff in the past, um, and it's it's usually really subtle, but it's one of those great things where if the light hits it just right, you know, it kind of pops and. Mm-hmm. It it definitely yeah. adds a, another layer of uh, of uh, visual interest to to the surface, you know, that otherwise can be kind of boring. Absolutely. Well, I, even uh, you know, my two thousand nine pack, I went overboard on the weathering, definitely, definitely on it, but it still looks pretty when it hits the light right. You know, you get all the different colors and stuff popping out of it. So, you know, to have that subdued back, I'm sure is even even more pretty well and you know the over weathering and and using hot glue for fake welds like all this stuff <laughs> those those are all that's a rite of passage when building a proton oh, yeah. like absolutely you know for as much as we say don't use hot glue for fake welds you know you got to do it at least once i mean maybe give it a shot maybe maybe <laughs> somebody out there can make hot glue look like a weld and we just don't know it yet and if you can man share that technique because right? I would love to do that over what I currently do because I'm sure it's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we're we're at a, an hour and fifty three. Let's we'll, we'll go ahead and stop here for this. Stuart, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, you are perfectly well, understandable, by the way. <laughs> uh, which is a dangerous thing for us to have learned. It means now you're going to be on the show gonna, more. You're going to be on the show more. <laughs> um. Now, a reminder, of course, to all of our listeners, we're, we're releasing episodes every Tuesday. We're doing a pretty damn good job. Sometimes it's Tuesday afternoon. Sorry. But it's Tuesday. Um, but it's Tuesday, damn it. And, of course, that's on our RSS feed, Spotify, um, and Apple Podcasts. Join the conversation, guys. Get it on with us. Um, Spengler's 1984 Workbench on Facebook.com. Leave us back some great feedback. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on the Twitter, follow us on Instagram, and uh, and give us back those five-star reviews. It, it's always, uh, it's good to get that positive feedback. If you have ne- negative feedback, um, go leave that negative feedback on Yes, Have Some. Their egos are huge <laughs> over there, and, then, and it just won't do a damn thing to them. They'll keep on trucking. No, kidding aside, we, we love our friends over there. Definitely an yes. inspiration. Um, definitely, because, I mean, Craig basically was the one putting the, the the bug in our ears that both of us had the idea for a podcast floating around. So yeah. um, it's all his fault. It is. So for, for this episode, this is uh, Dan Harshman. Now hang on. Where can people what? find, where can people find the Ghostbusters reference library, Dan or Stuart? Oh I should gosh. say. Yeah. Stuart plug your shit. I don't have the information here. Hold on. That's the Ghostbusters <laughs> Reference Library dot com, or you can find us <laughs> on the Ghostbusters Reference Library on Facebook. Awesome, and yeah. yeah, definitely be sure to check that out if you are building a pack. It's an invaluable resource. It's it's essentially if you've ever wondered what everybody else is looking at as far as reference, if you're wondering what Austin or I am looking at we're looking at the Ghostbusters reference library. Um, so again, Dan Harshman, Austin Young, and Stuart Thompson for the Black Firehouse podcast, telling you guys to go out, 
and build something. As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Spray has gone bye-bye. For whatever reason, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.